Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you ready for the Bible? All right, 1 Peter 1.6 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we open up our hearts to hear your word today. God, for every one of us, there's something that you want to speak. So Lord, we just trust you. We trust your word. Speak to every heart today. And Lord, I pray for the leading and the empowerment of your spirit. Thank you, God, for the authority that is in your word. And Lord, let what's in your heart just come through today. And uh, I just trust you and rely on you today. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take you to uh, a scripture today in 1 Peter. This is 1 Peter 1, and we're going to start in verses verse 3. And I want to read to you in all the way to verse 9. And this is one of those things when you're hearing the scripture, just let your imagination kind of paint the picture of what uh, Peter is sharing with the churches. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Can I hear an amen? I mean, that's, that's good news right there. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish. Amen? It can never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time in all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have to, to excuse me though now for a little while you may ha- have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. Amen. Amen. You know, we have received, if you have asked Jesus into your life, you have received this new birth by being born again. And we have this living hope. And, you know, we are are a brand new people, if you will, because we have received this Holy Spirit. We are a new creation. And the hope that we have, this hope, um, is alive. It's not wishful thinking kind of hope. That's not what hope means in Scripture. It, hope in Scripture means it's an expectation. And this is even described as a living hope. There's a good song called Living Hope. Um, a living expectation, like, like I expect good things because I serve a good and a living God. Amen? And, and Peter's backing that up. He's saying, listen, you have an inheritance in heaven. It will never spoil. You know, an economic downturn isn't going to diminish your, your uh, treasure in heaven. Uh, inflation, hallelujah, is not going to diminish uh, your treasure in heaven. 
Um, and up to this point, Peter's readers are loving this. You ever read something up and you're like, oh, that's good. Mm, come on, that's good preaching. New hope, living faith. Yeah, come on. There's an inheritance in heaven. Come on. And then he kind of turns it, if you will, and he turns it in, in verse 6. In verse 6, six, he says, in all this you greatly rejoice. Everybody said hallelujah. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Maybe you were reading this in your Bible and you thought, I want to get to some better stuff. I just want to keep on flipping, right? But you know, the reality that Peter is trying to, to paint, now catch this with me, is you've already won, but for now. Y'all catch that? You've already won, but for now. Before we receive heaven, there is still suffering that goes on earth. You're like, man, did I have to come to church today? Yes! So you've already won, but you are not exempt from suffering. And I, I want to be care careful here because when we're reading this, this was, this was written to a people who knew suffering at a level that you and I have not experienced. The persecution and and what they were experiencing was so severe. As a matter of fact, around the time when this was written, uh, the Emperor Nero uh, was persecuting the Christians. And it's, it's hard to tell if this scripture was written right before Nero started burning Christians on the stake or right after um, they, he started burning them on the stake. But isn't it interesting that uh, Peter's going to say, our faith is like gold, though refined by the what? The fire. And there are Christians either shortly before or shortly after going to give their lives and actually die by fire. And so this book is either reflecting on that or prophetic of it, one of the two, depending on exactly when it was written. Uh, and, you know, Christians, they suffered with their lives. And in our day, there are Christians that suffer with their lives. Uh, as a matter of fact, our, our missionaries in Central Asia, um, when they were getting ready to go back into um, Afghanistan, um, they had to retool and go to a neighboring country because in one year they lost eight missionary friends to the Taliban. And I mean, and to you know, those people lost with their lives and their friends and missionaries, like the intimidation and the fear that can come through all of that and knowing that. You remember when they were shutting down the country, the work that we were doing as a church to help um, Afghans who were um, significant leaders be able to get out of the country because their names were on lists. They were, their names were on kill lists. Like there are people who their suffering is at another level, right? And so as I'm preaching this, and we're going to make this scripture our own and incorporate it in our lives as we should and as it is meant to, but I don't want to dishonor what this means to some people, right? Because their level of sacrifice is to another level. And, and Peter's going to use some broad language here. He says, um, suffering grief in all kinds of trials. That's pretty broad, which means that is broad application for us as well as far as how we can um, appropriate it for ourselves. In verse 7, it says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Y'all, faith is, a, is easy once we get to heaven. Your faith is proven here on earth, right? 
Faith is easy on, on the side of heaven, but it's proven here on earth. And, and Peter's going to use this twofold analogy about gold. He's going to talk about how gold is valuable, but faith is more valuable, right? The Lord puts a very high value on your faith. In fact, it says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So of, of the things that you have in you, your faith is more valuable to the Lord than maybe you realize. Your trust in him, your ability to just believe and trust and know that he is good and he is who he says he is. Faith in God sees you through the tough times. Faith in God keeps you ready when everything else keeps you steady when everything else is shaking. Faith in God sees what your natural eye can't see, which is a big God who can provide, who is there for his children. Faith in God receives God's provision in the midst of your struggle. Do you know that your faith actually has the ability to access some of the provision that the Lord has you. How many times did Jesus look at people and say, your faith has healed you, your faith. Like God recognizes and there's a response to faith because faith in God brings a joy to your heart. The illustration that is in my mind is like in, in our lives and you know you have these these Christian disciplines, if I read my Bible and I pray and I, and I go to the house of the Lord and I spend time with other believers talking about my faith and encouraging, growing in one another, every one of those actions is like taking a stake and just pounding it into the ground. You're just saying that faith of mine is just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you have lived any period of time in your life, you have realized that the wind and the waves come. And you don't always get to tell it when it comes. As a matter of fact, I found that's always unexpected. Because <laughs> if it was expected, I'd probably go somewhere else, right? But what happens is when the wind and the waves and when life comes, you hold on to that stake that you've been putting into the ground. You hold on to what you believe and whom you believe. Your faith, my faith, is more important to God than our comfort. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not mutually exclusive. I think God loves to bless his kids. I love to bless my kids. But I never, want, I, I never thought, I'd love for them to grow up to be brats. Right? I think that's a great way to think about God's motivation. You know, I don't think God is offended by what you have. I think he doesn't want anything to have you. I don't think God minds you being comfortable, but he's more interested in you having faith more interested in you having a deep trust in him, uh, an obedience to him. Like the things that are really valuable, and sometimes we can get focused on I, the things that we want from God, and then it's all the, as if God is like the, you know, the candy land God. Like, you know, just give me the good stuff. And the reality is he's a God of good promises, and he blesses his children, he loves his children. Like I think he wants us to be healthy. I think he wants us to be taken care of. But I think at the end of the day, it's what's in us that he's more interested in than just what's around us. You know, there's this interesting scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about Paul with a thorn, and he's praying about a thorn in his side. And we think it's probably an illness that he was having, some kind of battle, and it was, it was from the enemy. He says that Satan was buffeting him. 
And Paul was praying about this. And what's fascinating is when you study Scripture, Jesus has provided for healing, right? Like he went on the cross by his wounds, we are, we are healed. Jesus has provided for healing. But in this circumstance, Paul is praying about this, this buffeting that he is experiencing. And it's kind of like almost like an anomaly scripture. And Paul says that the Lord's answer to him was that my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. The other thing is when you read that scripture, Paul talks about how there's a lot of things that he could boast about. And if you studied Paul, the dude was like crazy smart, like quite crazy qualified. Like this guy, I mean, he was, he was something else. He really was a, just such a remarkable person. But one of Paul, what Paul talks about is the surpassing revelations that he was receiving. And, and you, when you read this context, you get this impression that Paul knew that pride was a real pitfall for him or a potential pitfall for him. And when you read about this, this thorn in his side, you, you get this impression that it was keeping him in a place of dependency upon the Lord. And it's, it's kind of an, a different kind of scripture, like when you're reading this, and the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. And when Paul is walking through this, he said that your, your grace or your power is made perfect in my weakness. And so you find Paul walking through this period of time and his dependency on the Lord is so great that it was keeping, he was experiencing something in God that was so great, but it was also keeping him from a pitfall is what you get when you're reading the context of that scripture is that he, his pitfall, his possible, if you will, failure would have been if he would have entered into pride. And so you read that and you're like, wow, like, Paul's relationship with God was that important to the Lord. You follow me? Like, I, it's, it's always it's, um, what we call in Scripture a problem Scripture. You, you heard that phrase? Like, a problem Scripture is a Scripture where you're going like, so that's interesting because Jesus has provided for healing. Jesus walked around. Jesus never made somebody sick. He always healed them, right? But you read in the scripture and Paul, and he's asking for it, but he's not receiving it, but he receives a direct word from the Lord. He didn't make stuff up. God spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. And yet in the midst of it, he experienced something in God that was so deep. I don't know about your trials and troubles, but I'm going to bet you've probably met God in the midst of them in a way that you never met him before. There's a different cry in us when we're going through the struggle, when we're going through a trial. There's a different thing that comes out of us, and, and that is good for us. Again, there's, there's this twofold analogy that's going on with gold here. One of them is that gold is valuable, but, but your faith is more valuable. The second part of this analogy is gold is refined by the fire and faith is shown proven through trials. Y'all, it ain't faith until you got to trust God for something, right? It ain't faith until you got to trust him. And you know, that's actually the story of Job in the Old Testament. The story of Job goes like this, and it's often like kind of a misunderstood scripture. Um, and it's, it's, it, it's easy to kind of misunderstand it. But if you read at the very beginning of Job, what happens is the devil comes to the Lord and says, um, Job only loves you because you bless him so much. 
which is what we all want, right? We just want to be blessed. Like, I just want to be blessed, right? And Job challenges God. He says, let me mess with him and he'll curse you. And so the Lord gave the enemy boundaries. He said, you can only mess with him up to this much. And it was pretty significant. He lost everything. And Job goes through all of this, but he won't curse God through it all. His friends are telling him, you did something wrong. His friends are saying, I don't know what, but you better repent. Like something's going wrong. Can I tell you, sometimes when our brothers and sisters are going through something, it's not because of what they've done. Sometimes we think in our own mind, well, the reason they're going through that is because of this. The reason they're going through that is because of that. We got to be careful with that. That's what Job's friends said. What we need to do with one another is when one another are going through a trial is rally around one another, not judge one another for it, right? Like come alongside. And yeah, sometimes we do have consequences because of our own decisions and things like that. But the last thing you need is your brother or sister uh, judging you for it. You need them rallying around you for it in the midst of it. So Job comes all the way through this, if you will, and and the Lord at the end, and a lot of us miss this, at the end, the Lord restores even more back to Job than what he had before, right? He lost it all, but he, he received, and it was very meaningful what he lost, but then he received a lot at the end. But when you, when you back up and look at the very beginning, God was making a point to the enemy. Remember, the, the enemy is this fallen angel who got lifted up in pride and said, I want to be like God, right? God was showing the devil and saying, listen, the people will serve me not just because I bless them. People will serve me because I'm worthy to be served. People will serve me because of who they believe me to be, that their faith goes deeper than the blessing. And they're not just living for the blessing. There's, an, there's a uh, scripture in Ephesians that corroborates, if you will, this kind of concept. And it's Ephesians 3.10, it says, talking about the Lord, His intent was that now, through the church, would you all say, I'm the church? His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, authorities, and heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This scripture is saying in a very fancy way, God is showing off through you. He is teaching the enemy things about his nature and showing things about his goodness because of the way that we respond to him and the way that we walk with him. God's manifold wisdom is being shown to principalities and to powers. And so when we face trials, we should ask ourselves questions like, how can I make Jesus proud in the midst of what I'm walking through? Now follow me here for a moment. A lot of times when we're going through a, through a trial, we kind of get into that instinctual, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get out of this? Right? I mean, that's your survival instinct, and God gave you that. It's okay that you want out. Like, don't stay in it if you don't have to stay in it. Amen? But something in us that goes, how can my walk through this bring honor and glory to God? And how can my walk through this be pleasing to his heart? How can I demonstrate my faith in the Lord? And I'm not asking you to, you got to make stuff up, saying how can that sincere, deep trust in the Lord bring honor and glory to him? And a lot of times that is going to the word for an answer for your trial. 
I, I kind of expected like a really good amen. Going to the word in the midst of your trial, right? And getting a word from the Lord in the midst of our trial and saying, God, rather than me make up a bunch of things, I'm going to seek you and seek your word and see what is your provision? How do you want me to walk through this? How do you want me to come through this? Because the word says that you're never alone. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? Like there's provision in there. And the thing is, is when you are going through those hardest times, your experience of the Lord becomes deeper and deeper. And you you receive things from him that you couldn't have received on the sunny day. You learn things about him that you couldn't learn on the sunny day. And the way that I like to think about it is God doesn't waste what you're going through. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe God's up there perpetrating things on you. Like, oh, yeah. You know what I got planned for them? Oh, I'm going to put them through it. We're going to just see what that faith looks like. No, we talked last week about the, buying the field with the treasure in it. We talked about the field being the world around us and where there's good, bad, and ugly that happens on the, in this planet that's broken, right? And that, and that you can't control everything that happens around you, right? I don't think God's up there perpetrating, but he does have us living in a broken world with a mission that other people might come to know him, amen? right? And so you're not exempt from all trouble, but he doesn't waste your trouble. He doesn't waste your trial. The enemy wants to use a trial. He wants to use something that you're walking through to bring question to your faith and put a hitch, if you will, in your step with the Lord and to begin to put seeds of of unforgiveness and seeds of disillusionment towards the Lord. He wants to use those seasons to say, hey, God isn't who you think he is and you shouldn't worship him. You see, there's this cosmic thing that's going on way above our, our pay grade. And yet in us, it's this simplicity of, you know what? No matter what I walk through, I'm going to trust God. No matter what's going on around me, my, I, I'm going I'm to only allow this to make me closer to the Lord. I'm not going to let it make me run from the Lord. That's why like what we surround ourselves with, who we surround ourselves, how we respond in those moments, and how we rally around one another. I don't know about you, but sometimes you get that news or you get that bad report of sickness or something, and you can go into like a shock, like a numbness, right? And you need somebody around you to snap out of it and go, hey, we love you. We're here for you. You're going to make through this. You're not all alone. Amen? So their trial is not just their trial, it's our trial as well. And if, if you will, when we are facing a trial, our faith is on trial. But the question is, what do we want our response to say in the midst of that circumstance? How is my faith going to show up in the midst of a difficult circumstance? I got to admit to you, there are times when I face trials and things like that. And there are times when that first five minutes or that first day or that first couple days, man, my response was not, oh, well, I just trust the Lord. But there's still time. There's still time to go, hold on. This isn't all on me. This thing that I'm going through, the Lord is here. 
The, the Lord is with me. The Lord has an answer. I need, to, I need to hear something from him. I need to receive a word from him. And what's beautiful is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will give you a word to hold on to. I told the story a few weeks ago where Maxine uh, Paragoy years ago was diagnosed with cancer. And when she went for a check, um, they basically gave her like weeks, maybe a few months to live at the very most. And I remember for me as a pastor, it was a huge gut punch. And I told the story how I called a buddy of mine who was also a pastor. And I was just, I was a bit like, I was numb to it. Like, I don't, I, I'm not the person sick. I'm numb to it. I, like, um, I'm numb from it, not numb to it. And my buddy told me, he says, Mike, he says, you need to like get with the Lord and get a word from him and just, you, now's the time to trust and not let all those feelings overwhelm you. So I remember uh, we went over and we prayed with Maxine and her mama was there, Nita and, and John. And while we were praying, we were just sincerely praying and praying for healing because we don't have to wonder if God heals. We don't have to ask it. You know, like we know that in, in Scripture, he is a healer. He calls himself by name a healer. He doesn't call himself a sicker. He calls him a healer, right? And so we're praying and we're praying earnestly and in faith and in sincerity. And I'll never forget when we finished praying, Maxine looked at us and she said, while we were praying, God showed me his hands just picking the cancer off bit by bit. And Maxine's here today praise the Lord, years later. And she heard from the Lord and held on to a word from the Lord because the Lord was her answer. 1 Peter 1.8, after it talks about going through trials and after it talks about how your faith is like this gold and it's more valuable, but it's refined by the trial, refined by the, the fire, it says in verse 8, and this is, really, this is like the encouragement to us as we stand in faith. You ready for it? Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Y'all, that is what faith sounds like. Faith honors God in a beautiful way. I can't see you, but I believe you. And I, I, I'm receiving what you have for me. And, you know, in my times in Central Asia, when, you're, when I've been with the underground church, these folks who've come to Jesus from the first time and, and left the Muslim faith, many of them lose their entire family. Some of them can't go around their family um, because of the danger of an honor killing. Right? Like that, the kind of thing that they're walking through. And yet to say this, see the same Holy Spirit here that's here with us and here in us, working in them. And they're like, but I have this joy in serving Jesus. And it was worth it all because I know Jesus. And, you know, the, the, insecurity of what their future, what the future lies ahead for them. And the fact that in a, in a, a culture that values family so much, they lose everything for their faith. And to just see the sincerity and the purity of it. And what it does in me is I may never face anything like that. But what I want is I want when the trial comes, I want when the difficulty comes, I want to be able to say, Lord, this is difficult. I'm not going to be, act like it's not. But I want to be able to say, God, let my attitude towards you please you. My, let my trust in you bring honor to you. 
People have been through harder things, but it doesn't discount the fact that the thing I'm going through is hard, right? What you don't want to do is we don't want to get into a self-pity mode of, well, people just don't understand what I'm going through. Please, please. There's always people who've gone through more. What you're going through matters, and it matters to the Lord. But we don't get into the place of self-pity with it. We bring it to the Lord and say, God, my pain is the thing that you carry. And so, Lord, I bring this to you. Sometimes, um, I want to close with, uh, with this scripture. I'm going to invite um, Jacob to come up and play. There's another scripture because maybe in your Bible reading this week, if you wanted to go back to 1 Timothy and start in verse 3 and read those verses, Romans 5 and verse 1, it sounds so similar to what we just read. And it just says it in a different way. But what this does in Romans 5 is it talks about what the things you go through produce in your life. And I want to encourage you two things. One, have something in you that says, when I go through something, I want the way that I walk through it to bring honor and glory to the Lord. He doesn't waste what I'm going through. He doesn't waste what I'm walking through. It can be wasted, but it doesn't have to be wasted. And the other part is, let it produce something in me. Again, I don't think God's the perpetrator, but he doesn't waste what you're walking through. Let it produce something in me. And I have to to say, some of the things that I've walked through, and I wouldn't compare it to what other people have walked through, difficult in my own life, what it produced in me was lasting. It strengthened and, and, and deepened something in me, and it's lasting. So what you're walking through, don't let it be wasted. Let it produce something in you. And that's what the scripture talks about. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want to encourage you, like, don't waste what you're walking through. That is raw material for God to do something great. I'm not encouraging you to stay there. I'm not encouraging you to say, oh, well, I just think I'm just going to really enjoy this. That's unnatural and weird. Like, you should want to come through it just like every human being wants to come through it. But we want to come through it in the grace and the power and the provision of the Lord and say, see, enemy, I'm closer to him, not farther from him. See, my, what my response brought honor to him and brought destruction to your kingdom. What happened in me brought something more beautiful than what you anticipated it bringing. But God doesn't waste what I'm walking through. And God surely does cause us to overcome. He calls us overcomers, not sufferers, right? So, so there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a way forward. There is a way to overcome. But don't waste what you're walking through. Maybe today you're walking through something and all you've asked for it to do is leave. It's totally natural. But maybe 
it would bring honor to the Lord if you say, God, let me grow. Let me not waste this opportunity to grow closer to you. Let me not waste this opportunity to grow deeper in you. Let me not waste what I'm going through. Bring me through, but don't waste it, Lord. Something about those experiences can draw you closer and closer to the Lord. And what it does is it gives you a confidence that when you face the next trial, you're like, you know what? What I faced before was pretty tough. I know my God will see me through. This confidence grows. And you're like, I've seen this before. I've, I've walked with someone else before this. I know my God has provision for me in the midst of this. I know that he's good and I know he's going to see me through. There should come up this thing in us that goes, oh, but God. Oh, but God will see me through. Oh, but God, this is, I'm going to become closer to God right now. I'm going to press into him more and I'm going to, I'm going to see the enemy have to flee. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray for you. And uh, maybe you're here today and, and you're walking through something and you're like, ah, and you could use some prayer. I want to encourage you when I finish praying today to slip up here. We've got folks up here who will be up here to pray with you. Maybe you need a miracle in your life. Um, we serve a God of miracles who's doing miracles. And uh, let someone gather around you and pray with you and pray through, through for you because God has provision for you today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And uh, Lord, we're not weird people who just are excited about trials. But Lord, may we not shrink back at all kinds of trials, all kinds of difficulties. And Lord, may we not judge you because there's a trial. May we cling to you because there's a trial. May we be drawn to you because there's a difficulty. Lord, we trust you today. Father, for those who maybe today they're thinking, man, I have, I'm not handling the trial wrong. Let there just be a shift and a turn today to run to you and to draw from you rather than run away from you. God, you're the God of all peace, God of all provision. We thank you, God, for your provision in everything we walk through. In our prayers, God, we want to become closer to you. We want to draw closer to you. We want to know you more, Father. We want what you're doing to be producing fruit in us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your hand upon us, your faithfulness to us. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.